There is a fascinating recurring theme that is woven throughout the Bible. It's the theme of light and darkness. We begin with darkness in only the second verse of the entire Bible. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the first recorded words that God spoke in the Bible are found in the very next verse, chapter 1 verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verses 4 and 5 continue the same theme when it measures the reaction of God and declares, God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. In describing the coming of Jesus, the gospel writer John echoes that same theme from Genesis, but this time in the New Testament. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And even the Apostle Paul wrote, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. You know, I think that the biblical writers were probably more conscious of the contrast between light and darkness than most of us are today because their lives were governed by it much more than ours. We have access to electricity 24 hours a day in this country, something unheard of in Jesus' day. It's not that we're not smart enough to know the difference, I just don't think that we are as affected by the difference between light and darkness on a daily basis as they were. The use of light and darkness was also the way the Bible writers described the coming of Christ into the world. It's how they describe the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life. It's a dramatic change when Jesus Christ comes into a person's life. It's the difference between kind of our fears when we walk into a dark room or when we walk into that same room and are able to hit a light switch before we do. If there's one thing that Christmas is about, it's about the triumph of light over darkness. In a text that we'll look at in more detail next week, the Old Testament prophet wrote, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And Jesus personalized that prophecy when he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, there are times when the lights go out in our home. A few years ago, many of you remember the ice storm that took out electricity in the area for days. Several months ago, it was a severe thunderstorm and we lost power at our house for a few hours. Darkness forces us to focus, doesn't it? To squint, to pay attention, to be more alert to what's in front of us. We scramble to find a flashlight or a candle or anything that will bring some light into that darkness. This is what we're called to do as we enter this time of the year, the church year that we call Advent. 
Advent simply means coming. And church traditions suggest scripture passages that encourage us to look forward to the coming of Christ. Looking forward to both the coming of Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Christmas and the hope that is ours for the second coming of Christ promised in scripture. In the New Testament, the gospel writer Matthew wrote about how the disciples asked Jesus for a sign for when that moment would come and the, and the world would end and the second coming of Christ would be there. And Jesus tells them that one of the signs will be that the sun will be darkened and the moon will stop giving its light. And then Jesus will appear in the darkness. As Christians, we, can, we look to accompany Jesus into and out of the darkness of life. The Christian calendar actually begins not with January 1, as we have grown accustomed to, but with today. Today is the beginning of the church year, the first Sunday of Advent. In some more liturgical churches, dark blue is the color of the season for Advent because it represents the early winter night sky at dusk. Dark blue represents the coming of night. Before we celebrate the coming of light at Christmas, we must celebrate what we have to gain from and learn from the darkness. Christian writer Barbara Brown Taylor observes in a wonderful book on darkness that too often in our society and even in the Bible, darkness becomes shorthand for anything that scares us. We talk about a really dark movie. We talk about a state of emotional being and we describe it as being in a dark place. You see, darkness in our culture is often associated with night and with ghosts and with death and with devils and with danger and depression and doubt. And we grow up being afraid of the dark, you know, the monster under the bed, walking outside at night. Even Black Friday was supposed to be a good thing. Retailers traditionally operated at a financial loss in the red from January through November, and Black Friday traditionally indicated the point at which retailers began to turn a profit or get in the black. And yet it's a stressful day for many, isn't it? Someone posted on Facebook concerning Black Friday that only in America would people trample each other for a sale just one day after giving thanks for what they already have. And sometimes even reading the Bible doesn't help. We read Jesus' parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew 22, which is about the kingdom of heaven, and it describes a place away from God's eternal presence as outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We might conclude that being in darkness is some kind of punishment. 1 John chapter 1 tells us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. See, the church is often guilty of celebrating what is light and condemning whatever is dark. Too many churches tell us when, that when things go wrong in our life that we need to leave the darkness. So when things go wrong, uh, when we lose a job or when a relationship falls apart or our dreams don't come true or justice is not done or tragedy strikes, faith communities sometimes encourage us to come back to the light as if the darkness was all our fault. As if we had, if we had just had more faith, things wouldn't be so dark. 
as if the best the church can offer us is that it's up to us to make our way at that lowest point of our life when our strength is gone back into the light all on our own. I think it's a given that many of us would come back on our own if we could. When we feel blue, we would do anything to get back to the light. But I want to remind us today that God is present in the darkness as well as in the light. Matthew reminds us that Jesus will come to us, his followers, out of the darkness. Much like we read at Christmas in Isaiah's prophecy, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. I want to take us back to those early verses of the Bible in the beginning in Genesis, where it tells us the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And then the scripture in this passage concludes, and evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. What came first? The darkness. But God was in the process. In the Hebrew and in the Greek traditions out of which Christianity emerged, darkness always precedes light. You might recall that the Jewish Sabbath begins at nightfall, not, not when it's pitch black, but rather when three stars appear in the sky. The holiness of Sabbath begins in the darkness. Night anticipates morning. A recognition of our sin always comes before we celebrate God's forgiveness. God is in and comes through the darkness, our darkness. So we begin this Advent season recognizing that our world is full of darkness, whether it's the daily barrage of stories in the news, or whether it's what's happening on some college campus, whether it's not being able to afford what we need, or even the death of a loved one. See, we are descendants of the people that Isaiah mentions who walk in darkness. There are sustained periods of loss and of grief and of pain in each of our lives here today and in the lives of so many people around the world. So we begin this Advent season much like we begin life itself at birth with something sacred happening in the darkness. We don't have all the answers to the evil in this world and in the evil that sometimes happens in our own families. But we can be assured that good will triumph for God's plan and purposes will ultimately be done. Our job is to be alert and watch for the return of God. Advent reminds us that we have hope. See, the disciples believed that Jesus would return to earth even in their lifetime, and they asked him when that would happen. Jesus said that they needed to stay awake and be alert. For not even the angels or the sun knows the timing of Jesus' return. And if that's true, it's an indication that there are some things in life that we will never fully understand. We can search for answers for why some things happen, and yet we aren't always meant to know everything. When we ask God how uh, he could allow tragedy, such as we've seen recently in Texas and California and other places, we're reminded that there are no satisfying answers to all of our questions. And yet Jesus will return. We're not left alone in this world to face the darkness. 
Jesus will return at a day or a time that we do not know and can't figure out. Only God knows. So we are not to take our time on this earth for granted. We don't know the hour when life as we know it will end. It could happen in any moment. We must not put off till tomorrow what we know we should be doing today. See, this first Sunday in Advent is something known as Watch Sunday by tradition because Jesus tells us to keep watch. We must watch for his return, but a word of caution. There are some who have read this passage of Scripture and reacted to it by giving up their job, by giving up on their families, by checking out of life, by simply sitting around waiting for Christ to return. That's not the point. We are not to give up on life. We should live with confidence that Jesus will one day return to this earth and establish for all time his kingdom of justice and peace. We are to watch for his coming by watching over the world that he created, the world he came to save. The Greek word for watching that Jesus uses here means to take care of, to be attentive to. As, we are watch, as if we are watching over something important. Being alert, being attentive, not staring blankly out into space. We are to care for and watch over the people that God has committed into our care. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, we read, So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you. Watch over the church and the congregation like a shepherd would his flock. So in Advent, we also remember something pretty great that came at night, the very thing toward which Advent builds, and that is Christmas. Jesus was born at night. We know that the first people who really interacted with Jesus were some shepherds, who, as the Gospel of Luke tells us, were keeping watch over their flocks at night. The psalmist writes of God in Psalm 139, and he says, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Here's the point. The darkness does not intimidate God. God comes out of and goes into the darkness of our lives with us. If we watch for Jesus' return, not by staring blankly at the sky, but by watching over each other, who, the people around us who are in darkness, then we can bring a kind of salvation to those who seem to be afraid, to those who are struggling, to those who have little hope. <clears throat> Followers of Jesus Christ are not to run from the darkness in fear. Instead, we are to fully enter into it, confident that God enters into the darkness with us. And we're to do the acts of kindness and support and love that characterize the life of Christ on this earth. I am so proud of the way this congregation over the years has rallied around so many people in this church and in this community in times of tragedy, in times of darkness, in times of suffering, some of us look at the tragedies or the sadness that has surrounded people we know and we are tempted to ask, where is God? The answer is, God is in the darkness. Some of you have held someone's hand and helped them organize and plan for something they never thought they'd have to deal with. 
Some of you dropped, drop what you're doing and you've sent an email or you've sent a gift of money or you've said a prayer. At a time they described as their darkest hour, you didn't wait for somebody else to act. You entered into the darkness of that person and in doing so you became a piece of salvation for somebody who had lost hope. If Advent is about the future and about what's coming, then what better thing for us to do than to watch over those who have lost part of that future? We watch for Christ's return when we watch for the world, watch over the world that he loves. And so today we are reminded that we enter the darkness of Advent fully because there's so much that we can learn in the darkness. We can't watch the sun. You know, if you go out on side on a bright summer's day and stare at the sun, it's really kind of impossible, isn't it? Try to stare at the sun and you'll be blinded. The sun pushes us away. But we can look into the dark. The dark draws us in to try and see more clearly and to notice and to watch, to keep our eyes peeled so we don't miss anything. Jesus' disciples dreamt of a day somewhere in the future when Jesus would come back to earth when death would be destroyed, when evil would be gone forever, when justice would be done, when faith would be rewarded, and when they would celebrate that which they had watched over. In Matthew's Gospel, this is, how, this is what Jesus tells them. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. What was Jesus trying to tell his disciples? He was trying to tell them to be ready to watch out, to watch over, for they had a role to fill in this season of Advent, in the coming work of God, and so do we. Let's give thanks that God has placed us here to do just that.